Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Check, check. Time once again for second helping. Let me just start again. Time once again for Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network alongside my great friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Beard, College Football Analyst for First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, Brent, a longtime voter for the most prestigious honor in all of collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. We may, we may try to bully Brent Beard a little (laughs) bit in relation to the ballot he has submitted as we anxiously await the 2023 winner of that award. But Brent, we've got so much stuff to get into. We've got college football playoff fallout. We've got bowl schedule for the Southeastern Conference to get into. We got transfer portal coaching news. Pick an area of the sport right now. It all seems to be happening. Well, it, it, it's just amazing. And the only – now, there's some lower division games, but the the only real game we've got this weekend is Army-Navy. And I'll be brief about this. But I know you've gone – and, Trav, my question is, if people ever have a chance to go to that game, should they go? They should go a couple times if they get the chance. But certainly as a bucket list sort of item for any sports fan – just about any person in general. I don't even think you have to like sports or football or be a fan, so to say, but absolutely great experience. I've gone multiple times, a couple times in Baltimore, once in Philadelphia. Shoot. Yeah. If you can do it, if you can pull it off, take it in. It is an experience like no other. We do have army Navy coming up this weekend. We do have the Heisman trophy reveal coming up later on Saturday. And Brent, Look, I'm not going to push you, okay? I'm not going to try to get you in the corner and get you to give us the rundown of how you voted in this race. What I'm going to ask you, though, is did the events of championship weekend maybe alter the way you were looking at things going into the weekend? I think it probably altered um, now, all Heisman Trophy voters get three three choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your number one guy, two guy, and three guy? And I think probably what it did, maybe it, it shall we say, interchanged two and three. Uh, I'm not sure one was affected. And, and I think pretty much everybody thinks Jane Daniels is going to win it, um, uh, frankly, um, and obviously you've got Marvin Harrison and Bo Nix and, and um, you, you've also got um, uh, Penix. Penix, who has just been tremendous. Marvin too. Harrison Jr. made it as a finalist, I guess. Yes. So um, I think it's just kind of the, um, the order 
ballots were in Monday at five. And Trev, I mean by seven o'clock, uh, they've got the finalist on Monday night. So uh, those folks are there, and we will have the the, uh, the ceremony on uh, uh, Saturday night. Would would I really hope? And that's a bucket list thing for me. Really, would love to go to uh, uh, and just see what that's like in, in person. Uh, frankly, but it is a um, it, it it's still the arguably the most prestigious award, um, and I, it, you know the thought hit me too, Trav. If Jaden Daniels had a real defense, uh, they might be in the playoffs themselves. Yeah, it might be. And I think when you start thinking ahead of year to a 12-team playoff, the potential to still perhaps have made yes. the field. Uh, a year from now, especially with a guy like Jaden Daniels behind center. You talk about a team in that type of scenario that would have the the puncher's chance because of the quarterback position and really that offense in general because they get on a heater, you know, they can score 40-plus. And still, that roster isn't terrible. Have not played well, obviously, on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Had some key injuries uh, over there, too, but – Offensively, that's a team that I don't think anyone would like to see no, in one of those first-round games for sure, even as a road team uh, with Jaden Daniels behind center. So, Brent, we also have, of course, the fallout from last Sunday's college football playoff reveal. Boy, it was a good day for the SEC, considering what happened Saturday in Atlanta with Alabama knocking off Georgia. You know, despite the public bravado I guess you could say of Greg Sankey in his comments leading up to that game as it relates to the inclusion of his league in the college football playoff regardless of the outcome of that Alabama Georgia game still some folks holding their breath on Sunday around midday and didn't just work out for Alabama uh, in the in the college football playoff Uh, but boy when you look at the New Year's six bounty Mm -hmm. that the league is going to get out of this thing uh yeah i'd say it checked all the boxes yeah uh, there's no doubt about that uh so uh, and as far as new year six um boy uh again uh real opportunity for Ole Miss uh to improve on and get an 11th uh win for the season uh, and also, uh, how about one Eli drink with uh, uh, getting coaching honors uh, as he has as he's uh, coach of the year? Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. And then uh, uh, speaking of opportunities, uh, what that would do for them. Uh, and, and look, I, I know people look at bowls differently, but a Missouri win over Ohio State would cap quite a season. For those Tigers winning, Travis. Yeah, we'll get into some of these matchups as we run through the bowl slate as it has been set for the Southeastern Conference. But I guess in three of the four New Year's Six CFP matchups, you got SEC Big Ten mm-hmm. in those games. So interesting angles from that perspective. It's rough, man, when you're Ohio State and your starting quarterback goes in the portal yeah. before you can get to the bowl <laughs> really? game. Really? That's the situation uh, with the Buckeyes. 
looking ahead to that matchup with Missouri, you anticipate Missouri being as whole as a team as they can possibly be. I think the the point spread went from Ohio State as a five or six point favorite to now Missouri's like a one, maybe yeah. a one point favorite in that game because it's not just McCord at the quarterback situation that you have to take into account. So going to be some wild point spread swings with some of these games as we learn more about attrition and transfer portal and NFL draft and things like that for some of these squads. But yeah, Brent, obviously Alabama in at the expense of an undefeated Florida State team, 13-0, and the Seminoles following their win over Louisville in the ACC championship game. I think it's pretty apparent, obviously, I, and I don't think the committee did itself any favor. I think it could have sort of staged this over the previous two or three weeks following the Jordan Travis injury instead yeah. of waiting yes. until Selection Sunday to go, oh, by the way, it really matters a lot now. Uh, I, I feel for Florida State fans. You know, you start a season, you think 13-0, and win the conference championship. We are a slam dunk, maybe even the one seed in a college football playoff. But didn't play out that way. I, I do fall on the side too though that right now if you're asking me to pick between an Alabama team that is pretty much intact and has just knocked off the two-time defending national champion and winners of 29 straight games in the Georgia Bulldogs and this Florida State team that was down to its third quarterback running a lot of wildcat in that game against Louisville well, I'm probably going to pick Alabama. If it, if you make it as simple as that, I understand there's resume, there's body of work, there's all those things. But there's also the reality that quarterback is the most critical position on the football field, especially in 2023. I know some Florida State fans have gone 10, 15 years back to point out some Alabama quarterbacks and their numbers in national championship games. Not even the same game now as it was 14, yeah. 15 years ago. Again, I get the frustration. I get the angst. But ultimately, if we are talking about the teams with the the best chance to win a national championship, when I think about teams that got left out in this scenario, I probably look at Georgia yes. more than I do Florida State when it comes to a opportunity to win that 14 playoff. Well, the, the thing that really has not been said enough about uh, is, is, and we'll take the situation with Georgia first, uh, is, um, I mean, Georgia is a number one for a good bit of the season, uh, ends up dropping out of the final four uh, after a three-point loss to your fourth uh, member of the playoff, uh, that has never happened before. A lot of historical things that did. So I would uh, I would agree with that very much. That that in in Georgia, uh, for one reason or another, has been pretty quiet about this. But Trav, they've they've got a beef uh, as much as anybody else. And there there have been uh, other number one teams who have lost. And they never, they never e either fail at all or maybe fail at most, what, uh, two places, and they were still in the Final Four. Yeah, Georgia has wins over two New Year's Six bowl teams in Missouri and Ole Miss and a three-point loss, as you outlined, 
to a college football playoff participant in Alabama. So even if you want to talk body of work, Georgia can go there. It turned out nicely for Georgia because I don't think anybody anticipated going into the second half of this season that Missouri would be in this kind of place at the end of the season, that even Ole Miss would be in this place. But those teams performing at, at least in Missouri's case, I would say, an unexpected top 10 sort of level help the dogs. And I think if it were a year from now and we were in a 12-team scenario already and Florida State was in and Georgia was in, I think there would be more of an outcry of how do you have Georgia behind Florida State? You know, this year with four teams, the fallout has been about the lack of inclusion in the playoff where Florida State is concerned. Not so much is Florida State actually even the fifth best team in the country right now. I think a year from now, if everybody's in, in that group, then it would be much more talked about. How is Georgia yeah. the sixth seed in this playoff? So yeah, some different angles uh, that you can take with it. Again, totally understanding. And I thought Florida state from Mike Norvell to Mike Offord, the athletic director, um, you know, kind of handled that situation in its immediate aftermath. Like they had to, and you got to protect your your program. You got to protect really your athletic department, right? Because that's what we're talking about in terms of the kind of impact these things have. It isn't just about what's right for a team and a group of players and coaches and staff. It's about you know the visibility that this thing brings to your university and your athletic department. It is so far-reaching, Brent. Yeah. Well, and I think the first of all. They, they do have some things to celebrate. They need to celebrate being undefeated. They need to celebrate winning an ACC championship because that means something and that they need to have a, a celebration of their, uh, of their fans at some point. And I'm sure they will by being able to do that. Now, I don't think the bowl is going to be, uh, uh, well, if you win the bowl game, you'll impress the nation and the committee. I, I'm I, I'm not sure that's the motivation necessarily going into the bowl game against Georgia, but I think there's some things that we can learn about this, uh, and I'll be I'll be brief about this. One is unfortunately the system failed Florida State, and we were really fortunate where we traveled that um, we had a situation where um, that this had not happened before. Uh, and it had been a regular with just being limited to four teams. Uh, this is the first time it really came out and, and bit a team. Uh, there are some other things that have been mentioned. I know Heather Dennett had an ESPN article, and they talked about, the, or the committee talked about, uh, the fact that they uh, Alabama's strength of schedule was five and Florida State's was 55. Uh, that's an issue. Another issue is two years ago, the uh, uh, the ACC uh, and their commissioner decided to join this alliance with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten um, in order to slow down expansion for the SEC. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, what was coming out of that was before that alliance happened, they were on the verge of expanding the playoffs starting this year 
not next year, but this year. So that slowed it down a year uh, at that point. So what does Florida State do? And help me on this to channel their anger. I I, I think um, that they uh, um, uh, that they do all they can, and I've been told by a source at FSU that they're going to double down on getting out of the conference. Uh, now, where they go, I don't. Yeah, know. where are they going? I don't. Uh, that, I don't think. The, well, I don't think the SEC has a seat at the table. No, for them or Clemson right no. now. So, is it Big Ten or bust? Maybe for Florida maybe. State. Maybe uh, I think that's possible, uh, but that may be the recourse uh, that they continue to do uh, at this point uh, is to, uh, uh, to just work toward uh, getting out. So, I mean, when you've got an ACC schedule, is that always going to bog you down? Now, they'll be in it next year, and, the, they, and Mike Norvell deserves a lot of credit for what they've done in the guys that they have gotten uh, in this situation. So my thing, Trav, is, uh, you know, I get the anger. I get the T-shirts. I, I get, you know, the, um, the talk about we want to sue somebody. But, I mean, the reality is the the playoff situation is not with the NCAA. It's a different entity, uh, but with the commissioner and uh, um, the, uh, the the playoff committee. So uh, the question is, what do we do if you're FSU during this time to uh, to, to feel your anger uh, at some places where that it's going to help? And what place it's helped, Travis? They've gotten a lot of attention for their NIL, and they've got new members who have joined that and who are giving money. So yeah. uh, hopefully that will be something positive coming out of this for the Knowles. Yeah, that almost sounds like a GoFundMe after someone passes away or something, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, I, I think, too, and not to turn this into an FSU show because that's not the intent. We're just right. sort of relating that situation to the SEC and obviously Alabama getting in. And I don't think Alabama, by the way, has to apologize to anyone for its inclusion. Uh, if you look at Florida State's best win of the season, it's LSU, right? Yeah. LSU from the SEC. Alabama beat LSU. Alabama beat eight other SEC opponents to go 9-0 and in league play in 2023. So no apologies required from those in the Alabama corner, in my opinion. But, yeah, I mean – I think part of it, too, for Florida State is this was a season you were really pointing to. Yes. It, it feels like next year, Florida State may very well make a 9-12 uh, team field, mm-hmm. but it may be as a 9 or 10 win team. You know, it, 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 it probably isn't going to be as a 13 win team uh, in a year's time. So let's get into the bowl schedule as it relates yeah. to the to the SEC overall, Brent, and it's really going to crank up. On my birthday, December the 27th, <laughs> I get the Aggies and the Cowboys for a Chris, uh, birthday present. The Texas Bowl, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, December the 27th. Mike Gundy taking on a soon-to-be-led-by Mike Elko, bunch of Aggies. And I see A&M still a four-and-a-half-point favorite here at last check. Um, pretty cool matchup. 
I think uh, A&M fans probably rejuvenated following the coaching change. I'm not sure if Mike Elko totally moved the, the needle. Mike Elko feels like the hire that perhaps the Aggies didn't entirely want, but it might prove to be the one A&M absolutely needed in this guy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, uh, he's very organized, very disciplined, uh, and his teams are uh, in the same way, too. Listen, Trav, I, I don't know if anybody has made <clears throat> the number of uh, changes <laughs> that A&M have made uh, over the last few days, uh, which is important. Walter Nolan is still trying to decide what he's going to do. Colin Klein, remember that name? Uh, I know that uh, he is going to be the next offensive coordinator at A&M. Uh, people are wondering about Elijah Robinson, their defensive line coach. He's going to Syracuse uh, to um, uh, to be on that staff. Uh, but uh, in uh, so this would be a nice win in season. Uh, get, get some momentum uh, and travel. Look, we were. We were talking about the LSU defense a minute ago. Man, oh, man, I watched that Texas-Oklahoma uh, uh, in Oklahoma State game. <clears throat> Trev, I'm I'm convinced I've seen some high schools with better defense than Oklahoma State had on that day. Yeah, it's like Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma in the last bedlam yeah. and then took the rest of the season off. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Went on like a month-long bender. After beating the Sooners and just <laughs> barely beat BYU yeah. to get into the Big 12 game, which mm-hmm. was kind of a disappointment because at that point I was hoping we would get OU Texas, yeah. the sequel, uh, yeah. rather than the Cowboys. But they staggered into Arlington and got hammered by the Texas Longhorns as a result. So uh, Friday, December the 29th. Kentucky, talk about a rejuvenated team following that regular season-ending win over rival Louisville. Pretty good Gator Bowl matchup with Clemson traveling to Jacksonville to take on Mark Stoops and Big Blue. Well, I think what's going to be exciting about this, too, will be uh, the changes that are going to be made, uh, well, basically after the bowl game. Um, but, but, but that, that energizes a lot of fan bases, uh, to say the least. Brock Vandergriff, it looks like is leaving Georgia, going to Kentucky to be their quarterback. And frankly, we don't really know what he can do. He's played a little bit, but he hasn't played much. Uh, but that will be interesting with, um, Devin Leary, uh, that experiment didn't really work the way we thought it would. So I think there's some pretty positive changes there. And they're, and the same thing with Clemson. Uh, they've added Matt Luke, uh, a name well-traveled uh, in SEC lore, and Chris Rump uh, also. Going to be interesting to see what Dabo does in the um, uh, the transfer portal uh, along that line. But, but And Trev, the other big thing for the Gator Bowl these are two fan bases who will travel, so this should be a pretty well-attended game. It should be. Uh, I think it helps the Gator Bowl that both of these teams are coming off rivalry wins. Clemson over South Carolina, Kentucky 
over Louisville and the Vandergriff news for UK is interesting. Former five-star recruit for the Georgia Bulldogs at the uh, QB position. And once again, Kentucky looking to strike some portal gold behind center for 2024. Coming up on uh, that same day, the 29th, you've got later in the evening, the Cotton Bowl, the aforementioned matchup of seven and nine, number nine, Missouri, looking to win 11 games taking on an Ohio State team. You talk about portal, you talk about sit-outs. You know, this is one of those games that we're going to probably get into throughout the bowl season where you, you got questions about how many scholarship guys yeah. maybe really? some of these teams are going to have in these matchups. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, listen, if that if that Missouri offensive contingent that we've watched all year, uh, if, if those guys – or healthy, led by Brady Cook. Um, boy, that's going to be a lot of fun, is it not? And again, a lot of questions with uh, Ohio State. But uh, but can you, Trav? Can you imagine if Missouri wins that game with the momentum they go with uh, in the off season after this year? Four bowl games on the next day, Saturday, December the 30th, three of them involving SEC teams, starting with the noon Eastern kickoff in the Peach Bowl as Ole Miss takes on Penn State on ESPN. Boy, whatever you think of James Franklin, and I'm wondering exactly what Penn State fans think of him at this point. He seems to win nine, ten games on a consistent basis, gets the Nittany Lions into these type of games, and a real opportunity for Ole Miss. You would think that the break is going to be especially good for Jackson Dart, who the way he plays the position puts himself in peril probably more often than he should, but an Ole Miss team with a chance, again, to kind of heal up. And I think in a – contrasting the styles, this is a good matchup for Ole Miss because you always worry about Ole Miss defensively. Boy, Penn State uh, offensively is kind of hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, they really are. uh, No doubt about that. I don't know if they're as hard to watch as like Louisville uh, or some team like that was um, in in their game against Florida State. But, um, again, uh, this is a really good opportunity uh, at this point for uh, Ole Miss. Jackson Dart just said he's coming back next year. And, and look, your point about James Franklin's a good one. Uh, I'm not sure he didn't make more progress at Vanderbilt almost than he has at Penn State, uh, win nine or ten games, but they just can't beat Michigan and they just can't beat Ohio State. So really, really good opportunity here for Lane Kiffin. I think expansion in some of these leagues is going to bring a more definitive view of exactly where some of yeah. these programs rank nationally. Are they truly elite upper echelon programs? Or are they really kind of that next tier down? And I think that's what Penn State and Ole Miss are potentially sure. looking at because with Oklahoma, Texas coming into the SEC, you look at Boy, all the additions that are being made to the Big Ten. Uh, these are the kind of programs that could go from this 10-11 type of matchup to 20-25 here 
maybe in the next couple of years. Also on that Saturday, December the 30th, 2 p.m. Eastern ABC television, Maryland taking on Auburn in Nashville at the Music City Bowl. I'd say for Auburn, this isn't a bad landing spot at all. There was some thought that perhaps it could be back-to-back trips to Birmingham for Auburn. So uh, at 6-6, and this, again, not the worst of trips for Hugh Freeze in year one on the job. Well, and you certainly want to be uh, 7-6 and at the end of the year. This is not a bad matchup, frankly, for Auburn with Talia uh, at quarterback to his brother and that wide receiver group. If, if they're able to make some hay uh, with the Auburn secondary, that could be a problem. But at the same time, Auburn's defense was stout at times during the the year. Uh, Trav, I think more than anything else, um, and the, you, you hope for a win – but I can, but I'm, but I'm sure right now, um, Hugh Freeze's main focus is on restocking this roster, uh, improving it through the portal, and also, uh, and as far as recruiting is concerned, and it looks like they will have a uh, a good year uh, as they've proven that already in getting Cam Coleman. Uh, who's a tremendous five-star receiver from A&M. So um, uh, it, it'd, it'd be great to win it, but winning some recruiting battles and portal battles, I think, is more important for Freeze right now than even the bowl game. Yeah, we've seen Tua Tonga Vailoa take his shot at Auburn while at Alabama in yeah. the past. I guess we'll see his brother Talia, yeah. the Maryland quarterback, an Alabama transfer See what he can do with that Auburn defense on December the 30th. Auburn, a slight favorite over the Terps at this time. Orange Bowl, afternoon kickoff on a Saturday in the Orange Bowl. That's a little bit different. Seems like traditionally the Orange Bowl has been a nighttime game. I guess by the time you get into the second half, you're going to be under the lights in South Florida. But again, controversy involving this game. Florida State, obviously uh, not excited. Uh, if it's possible to not be excited about a New Year's Six spot, uh, Florida State, understandably, in that boat, looking to take on a Georgia team favored by 14 and a half. So hmm. I think that kind of speaks a little bit to the committee's ultimate decision as well. Yeah. You know, we still have to totally figure out at this time who's going to be available for both teams yes. uh, to play in this game between the NFL draft, between transfer portal. Uh, but if it's kind of close to what we're anticipating, uh, a bounce back opportunity to say the least for Kirby Smart's team. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and Trent, one of the big questions to be asked and answered is what does Carson Beck do? Yeah. Uh, I know you've heard those rumors like I have, and we just couch them as rumors at this point is, um, I mean, I've heard Beck wanting a lot of money, up to $4 million. Wow. Uh, uh, we'll leave that as a rumor. I think he does need to come back and and, and uh, polish his skills somewhat uh, with this. And there'll be a lot of, uh, of uh, media speculation about uh, who's going to be motivated for this game and, and, and will the winner – 
be able to prove something to the uh, uh, committee and to the nation. You, 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 I think we'll, we'll hear a lot of that, but no, yeah, I think you hit on it. It, it. The big thing is, is who is going to be available. Johnny Wilson, the, the six foot seven receiver said he's already going to the NFL. Uh, so he likely will not play. I mean, he might, we don't know yet, but um, uh, that there a lot to be determined for this one is played. Absolutely. And a lot to be determined on Monday, January the 1st. Again, oh. heavy on SEC action. You start in that noon window, noon Eastern on ESPN2, ReliaQuest Bowl, previously and forever known on this podcast as the Outback Bowl. You're going to get Wisconsin and LSU from Tampa. And again, still trying to sort through some roster uh, potential there. I guess Jaden Daniels primarily among that group for the LSU contingent. Uh, but the Tigers looking to end the season on a strong note against some Big Ten competition of their own. Well, look, if that offense comes back um, and they're in, in the form they've been during the season, uh, they can have a field day in a lot of ways against Wisconsin. Uh, that that's interesting. And uh, Wisconsin playing Alabama next year, if I remember that, uh, I believe on the road. And um, uh, by the way, LSU is finalizing a deal, Trav, with uh, Mike Denbrock there, uh, who is a Bros Award finalist uh, to um, uh, going to be a three year extension for their offensive coordinator. I tell you, Trev, I tell you what, uh, it, uh, it look, Denbrock did a really good job, but when you've got a Jaden Daniels, it's pretty, that makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it? It also makes it easier to get that extension when Texas A&M comes sniffing around oh, yeah. in relation yeah, to their coordinator job. I think that helped him a good bit. Good coach, good coordinator, no doubt about it, but sure, Jaden Daniels can make a lot of people look right, even when they're wrong. Jane Daniels has that ability. The Citrus Bowl, 1 p.m. on New Year's Day, ABC television. Uh, tough to watch offense again from the Big Ten cool. perspective. So many SEC Big Ten matchups during this bowl season. And another one, Iowa coming off a shutout loss to Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. will take on Tennessee. Uh, looking to get to nine wins. Cap another successful season under Josh Heupel. I think from the UT perspective, you'd like to see Joe Milton uh, for his persistence mm-hmm. go out on a winning note with a strong performance. Iowa, obviously, by Big Ten measures anyway, very, very stout defensively. I'm interested to see if we see Nico Ayamaliva yes. uh, yes. for Tennessee in this game. If he scripted into the plan, do you go ahead and try to get him involved? Uh, I guess those are a couple of the storylines I'm interested in, Brent. Yeah, well, in this game... Um, maybe a 20 to 17 type thing. Uh, if Iowa can score that many points, uh, frankly, uh, but uh, again, Tennessee somewhat disappointed. Obviously, uh, their fans thought they would have more after last year. But no, no I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think it'd be very interesting to see if Nico plays. They need to give him uh, some more action. Uh, because it it's going to be his probably next year uh, to be able to run with. So 
uh, involves with a nine-win season that that would, uh, I think, appease the uh, a somewhat disappointing year for the Vols. And, of course, capping New Year's Day from the SEC perspective, number four, Alabama, number one, Michigan, in the Rose Bowl, 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It feels like the seeding, according to some folks, might be flipped just in terms of the struggles that Michigan has had in this specific spot. When we're talking about the elite programs from the SEC, the Georgias, the Alabamas, what we've seen from the Wolverines uh, in those matchups previously is a real struggle to keep up where you're talking about twitch and speed and dynamic playmaking ability because Alabama, Georgia, they're going to match you at least at the lines of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, offensively, defensively. And that's where Michigan obviously prides itself, Brent. Uh, but can the Wolverines produce enough in playmaking on the outside and in explosive play situations? It's not something they've done a lot of this season. I think they're going to have to find a couple in this one. Uh, your stat, uh, uh, it, it, I think, tells a lot about where they are. Pass plays are 40 yards or more, Alabama 17 and Michigan 4. Um, and then there, I saw another stat over the five games since the start of November, Michigan's offense has passed for one touchdown and ran for 15. So, and JJ McCarthy is not a, I think he's a fairly solid quarterback. Yeah, he's not a stiff, yeah. No, no, by, uh, by no means. But look, now I'm with you on this. Um, this is still a line of scrimmage game. Uh, which is something Alabama really, um, uh, as the game went on, Trav, uh, the Bama offensive line really won the battle with the Georgia front seven on defense. And can they do the same thing with Michigan? Yeah, that's the one area of Alabama's football team that's maybe come the farthest. I know you got to talk about Jalen Milrow from that perspective, too, but some of the things that we've seen from Alabama, the growth of Caden Proctor at left tackle, the insertion of Jaden Roberts at right guard has really taken that that team uh, to a level that we kind of anticipated it being at at the end of the season, but maybe getting there a little sooner than it did during the course of the current season. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Michigan and the stat that you outlined, the the one that I tweeted and I've had people say, well, Michigan doesn't throw the ball that much. Michigan's thrown the ball more than Alabama has. Yeah. So it, it's not a it's not a quantity stat. It's Alabama has thrown the ball, I believe, 30, 30 times fewer than Michigan over 13 games wow. and has 13 more plays of 40 yards or more. So uh, going to be fascinating to watch. We're going to have plenty of time to break it down. Um you know, this Alabama team, I think, is like every other team that we talked about, going to be able to put this little break to good use because they got dinged up a little bit against Georgia. Kool-Aid McKinstry had to leave the game. Trey Amos filled in admirably at that corner spot. Dallas Turner dinged up a little bit. Jason McClellan, starting running back, didn't play against Georgia. So, you know, getting this group rested, recovered, recentered, and ready to go. Priority number one for Nick Saban right now, who, by the way, 
at the age of 72, just absolutely burning up the recruiting trail yes. in the last yes. 48 hours or so. Just uh, he's got that he's got that crimson blazer on, and he's in a lot of houses right now. <laughs> he loves that and loves to be with families. Uh, but Trav, so much going on, <clears throat> and I don't want to ignore. And I wish we had time to get into it more, but state championship games going on. I know in the state of Alabama and Florida, uh, probably uh, many others too. So encourage our listeners and viewers to, to, uh, uh, to look at those. We'll be, we'll be continuing to follow the, uh, the bowl game news transfer portal. Lord, our early signing day is going to be here in less than two weeks. Uh, I don't know how these coaches are doing it right now, frankly. So, uh, and Trav, as we go out to, uh, did I see this correctly that that our pops has uh, grown another year to seventy six years old? I believe so. Uh, uh, the folks, the folks have to have a pops report before we go. Yeah, we celebrated seven six with pops. I've got my fifty fifth coming up. Yeah. Uh, and then the older brother, Gene Jr., uh, he turned 50, God, he turned 58, mm-hmm. uh, about the same time. We're all kind of in a cluster. Yeah. So Nana yeah. does these, these birthday get togethers because there's so many of us where <laughs> we share them. And, uh, so I shared that with pops and the older brother. It was pretty cool. Pops, you know, pops got as a, as a 76 year old, he got a lot of, he got a kick out of the handshake between Kirby and Nick after that game <laughs> I bet. last Saturday, because he's always pulling for the old dog. You know, yes. he loves when the old dogs show the pups, right, uh, right. kind of the, the lay of the land. So he did enjoy that, but uh, pops doing well, hanging in there. And uh, we'll see, we'll see how Christmas goes. That's always, yeah. <laughs> it's always a bit of a wild card with pops, but doing pretty well. Brent, as always, man, a lot of fun. Look forward to catching up again soon. Me too, bud. Take care. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryder, thanking you for joining us right here on Second Helping on the Belly Up Podcast Network. If you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, do that for us. Hit a like, turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our podcasts. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, you're going to find Second Helping. We'd also like to thank our executive producer, Bill Oakley. So for the gang, once again, Travis Ryder, thank you. Until next time. So long, everybody.